0: This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, o them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. First things first, we have our first glimmers of information about the state of the GOP 2024 primary post-Ron DeSantis entrance. I've gotten a lot of polls about that, Now we have a poll. It's a morning consult jam. And, well, it ain't much different. Donald Trump, 56%. Ron DeSantis, 22%. Mike Pence, 7%. Everybody else swimming in the three or below pile. Their takeaways. DeSantis' support has been stagnant since his launch. DeSantis trails Trump by 34%. Uh, among GOP primary voters similar to his standing before he launched his campaign on May 24th. To Axios, obviously, Team DeSantis knows these numbers. They probably have their own internals that point to the same thing, but the DeSantis operation goes to Axios to try to reframe this. Hey, look, there is no national primary. All we're focused on is Iowa. Their pack never backed down, it says that DeSantis's numbers have rebounded over the past month with likely caucus goers and shared two internal polls with Axios. One taken mid-May before DeSantis announced, and another taken May 30th to June 1st with 655 respondents. The latest poll shows. That DeSantis is effectively tied with Trump in Iowa in a head-to-head matchup. Something that ain't going to happen. That's up from DeSantis being down 14 points mid-May. So that's the kind of traction that DeSantis wants to talk about. Something they would love to see in national polls because that's going to be something that the media will fixate on. But with other candidates included, DeSantis is further away from Trump but still has gained ground. In the most recent internal poll, Trump led DeSantis 39 to 29 compared to 24 to 48 earlier this month. So that's all we got when it comes to Captain Ron. We're not going to be talking a lot of DeSantis. And that's because a governor, a former governor. A former governor turned vice president and a civil rights icon have or will, by the time that you listen to this, have thrown their hat in the ring for president over the next 24 hours and we rank them all. Meanwhile, the man whose job that they all vie for is nodded in a controversy regarding Ukraine. A whistleblower is said to have come forth with damning information on the president almost four years to the month. After a whistleblower came forth with damning information on the president that resulted in his impeachment, little deal, big deal, or no deal, we tell you all. From Dog and Pony Show Audio, I'm Justin Robert Young, and this is
1: Politics, Politics, Politics.
0: Before we talk about who's in, let's talk about who's out. What to do with Chris Sununu. Chris Sununu about a year ago surprised everybody by saying that he wasn't going to run for Senate in New Hampshire. This is something that would have been a natural move for him. He was very popular, is very popular as the governor of New Hampshire. He, had a pretty good shot at beating Maggie Hassan, especially considering the way that the tick-tock of our political clock is. If there is a president facing his first midterm, usually the tide moves against him. Candidate quality was one of the biggest questions for the Republicans back in 2022. And indeed, Mr. Bulldog was not able to get swifty on Hassan. So Nunu would have faced at least, you know, better headwinds when it came to his possible candidacy. And yet he eschews it. And the reason why, at least through all of the available tracking of the man, was that he wanted to run for president. Even in his speech discussing why he wasn't going to run for Senate, it's because he said he was very, very into the executive wing. He didn't want to be part of a deliberative congressional body. He wanted to be the guy who makes the calls. Now that was framing his decision to run for governor again, but you know, we were kind of picking up the double entendre that there is only one executive job above his level. And that's the one at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And yet this Sunday, He's out for
1: that, too. happening out there? You obviously have a very large field. Um, i taken taking the last six months to really kind of look at things, where everything is, and I've made the decision not to run for president on the Republican ticket in 2024. And obviously, a lot goes into that decision, but um, it's been quite an adventure, but not the end of the adventure by any means. Why? Why won't you run? Well, you, when you look at what's happening out there, you obviously have a very large field. Um, of, I think the former president, Trump, is doing much better in the polls than folks thought. And when I looked at where my voice can be, how we make the Republican Party uh, bigger. The responsibility that I think I have in terms of focusing on the Republican Party and ultimately focusing on the the opportunities for the country um, and having a little more of a candidate, a little more unleashed voice and and getting folks to not just worry about, well, well, is it a vote for Chris Sununu? I'm not worried about that. I want more independence on the Republican Party team. I want more young voters on the Republican Party team. I am tired of losing U.S. Senate races and governor's races and clearly, I, I talk a bit candidly, I think, as, as folks appreciate, I think more folks within the Republican Party have to have that kind of voice, that kind of emphasis of message and making sure that this is about the Republican Party, not just about the former president.
0: So what does it mean? Well, I don't think Sununu was really going anywhere. We talked about him last week. That being said, I do think he is a likable, eloquent guy. And so I do think he would have been interesting on the debate stage. We had Mr. Uh, Evan Scrimshaw on a couple of weeks ago when we did our terrible candidate fantasy draft, and he made the comment that you know Sununu is somebody that doesn't want his final act in in uh, electoral politics to be getting blown out in his home state. and that was likely the fate that he was going to find himself in. I'm sure he had been tracking this race, the uh uh you know, pull the string on the Sununu doll line that he said over and over and over again is that Donald Trump is not going to be the nominee of the Republican Party. And yet, you know, unless we get a little Obama Hillary magic in this primary with DeSantis and Trump, and that's all the 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 DeSantis people will tell you is going to happen, then it does look like Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. And it looks like news theory that Republicans were were upset in 2022 and didn't show up. Well, doesn't count when Trump is on the ballot. There are a lot of Republicans who really like Donald Trump. Now, that's not going to stop a bunch of other people from also trying to run for president, which brings us to Chris Christie. Chris Christie is in Manchester, New Hampshire, on Tuesday night. He announces that he is going to run for president, and I I, I gotta tell you, man, I'm even more baffled by this. I mean, we we did our whole Mouse Churian candidate thing last week, which I, I'm I'm still not ruling out. But if you look at Chris Christie's social media, if you look at how he's looking to get into this race, it just looks sloppy. You know, say say what you will, and who knows whether or not the Ron DeSantis campaign is going to do well, but you look at his operation, you're like, okay, ton of money, a staff that is a, a, a bunch of believers, they are going to go hard. You look at Trump. How many times has that dude washed out people around him? Uh, He destroys the people that he used to trust the most. And yet still, he's got a cult of personality. He's got a team around him that is, I think, you, you can't say anything but leading a very successful presidential primary campaign thus far. But Chris Christie, he had like two live tweets during the Trump-CNN thing, which was weeks ago at this point. There's already been another CNN town hall with Nikki Haley. There's not a lot of, uh, here's why, why me? Here's, I mean, he's got a picture of his son. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I really don't understand it. I really don't get it. It's the reason why my mind drifted to the idea that he might just be a hired assassin from Disney and and a lot of the Trump stuff. It's like, look, I'll take shots at Trump because I want to take shots at Trump. I guess my job will be taking shots at Ron DeSantis, but we'll see. We'll see. But there's, you know, Christie's in. Mike Pence has filed paperwork. He will be in on Wednesday. Nothing really materially has changed from what we talked about last week. We will give you the short, short, short version. Mike Pence is entirely dependent on Iowa. Our friend Scrimshaw believes that he's going to stick it out to Super Tuesday because that's where a lot of the Southern evangelicals are are going to vote. I have a difference of opinion with our friend Scrim in that. It's hard to hold four L's that big. You know, Joe Biden almost didn't become president because he held three gigantic L's that looked like Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada. In fact, the only solace he took in Nevada was that he got blown out by double digits and not into the 20s. He looked at that as a big achievement. And then he did have a blowout in his side of the ledger in South Carolina. I just don't know if Joe Biden was straining under that kind of pressure. I don't know what Mike Pence, who will have less name recognition, less lane and less money than Joe Biden is going to have that Biden did. Now, the other question is where Pence is? is valuable is as a surrogate and as an endorsement and that's why I tend to believe that Mike Pence should he be trailing into the like third or fourth lane like right now Mike Pence is in third and he's been solidly in third in this race the entire time he does the only thing close to resembling a competitive edge polling-wise aside from Ron DeSantis. But again, the gap between Pence and DeSantis is around the gap between DeSantis and Trump. So, if Pence slips, so let's say we have a Tim Scott that Leapfrogs him. We have a Nikki Haley that leapfrogs him. We have some of the other folks who we're going to talk about in, in a second leapfrog him. Then I believe in Iowa, we have a possibility that he's an early dropout and an endorsement. Because I do think that's when he's going to be the most valuable. And what we need to start looking at, especially when we're talking about these kinds of candidates, is when are you the most valuable? It's usually before you want to give up. Because then it's a surprise. It is a sign that you and your team and your donors believe that this other person is the move. They are inevitable. They have momentum. Uh, I'm going to take the under on, on wherever the line would be set for Mike Pence in terms of dropping out, but we'll have to see how his rollout, well, rolls out. We do have some sound for you. Another name to add to the list. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce you to Doug Burgum, governor of North Dakota. It is said that running for president reveals more about the character of the person running than it does the populace that might vote for them. And as we pay a lot of attention to here on this program, there is no substitute for a first impression. And it is with that, that I give you one of the most unhinged opening lines of a campaign announcement ever.
2: My dad died when I was 14. For real? Freshman year of high school. They pulled me off our basketball team bus and told me the news. I grew up in a tiny town in North Dakota. Woke? was what you did at 5 a.m. to start the day. A place where neighbors rally around you. My mom was our rock, our hero. I started a shoeshine business, worked at the grain elevator, and has a chimney sweep. Paid my way through college, then earned an MBA from Stanford. I ignored those who said North Dakota was too small, too cold, and too remote to build a world-class software company. So I literally bet the farm to help build a tiny startup into a billion-dollar company with customers in 132 countries. A kid from small-town North Dakota, that's America. Today, America's facing new challenges and how we respond will define our future. We need new leadership for our changing economy. Innovation over regulation. Instead of shutting down American oil and gas, we should unleash energy production and start selling energy to our allies instead of buying it from our enemies. High taxes, red tape, and inflation are choking every American. As governor, we cut red tape took North Dakota from billions in the hole to a surplus. We balanced the budget every year, and we did it all while passing the largest tax cuts in North Dakota history. States created the federal government, not the other way around. Let's shrink the federal government and return power to the states. Anger, yelling, infighting. That's not gonna cut it anymore. Let's get things done. In North Dakota, we listened with respect and we talked things out. That's how we can get America back on track. It'll work. And in that tiny town where I grew up, you didn't promise things you couldn't deliver.
3: Doug Burgum, small-town boy, turned self-made, world-class business leader. Extraordinarily successful governor. A listener and a doer. A smart guy who's achieved a lot. Doug Burgum,
2: a new leader for a changing economy. I'm Doug Burgum. I approve this message. Wait a
0: minute, wait a minute. Governor of North Dakota? Wasn't that the lady that Trump likes? Kirstie Noem? No, no, no. Friends, wrong Dakotas. Very easy to get your Dakotas mixed up. But Doug Burgum is a tech executive. He's got a ton of money. He's going to self-finance a lot of this. and. Obviously, he is playing up the Yellowstone frontier lessons that can help get these city folk in line kind of stuff. Uh, It is a Western conservative uh, straight out of that playbook. I don't think he has a chance at all. I do think it's an opportunity for him to lift his name value. I think it will be very interesting to see whether or not he can make the debate stages, but we're going to go over some of the, the, the rules of and qualifications of, of of the debate stages on Friday, but that's the goal for Bergam. Get on the stage, get on the TV. We have another announcement. For you This one, not in either the Republican or Democratic Primary, but rather The People's Party Ladies and gentlemen Cornell West In these bleak times I have
4: decided to run for truth and justice Which takes the form of running for President of the United States As a candidate for the People's Party I enter in the quest for truth I entered the quest for justice. And the presidency is just one vehicle to pursue that truth and justice, what I've been trying to do all of my life. I come from a tradition where I care about you. I care about the quality of your life. I care about whether you have access to a job with a living wage, decent housing women having control over their bodies, health care for all, The-escalating, the destruction of the planet, the destruction of American democracy. Democracy creates disruption. It creates an eruption. It creates an interruption. Wide from below, the energies of everyday people is manifest, and I know there are precious people in your life who you care for. That's why it's important for you to be involved, important for you to participate. We're not talking about hating anybody. We're talking about loving. We're talking about affirming. We're talking about empowering those who have been pushed to the margins. Because neither political party wants to tell the truth about Wall Street, about Ukraine, about the Pentagon, about big tech, neo-fascists like brother Trump or milquetoast neo-liberals like brother Biden. Wow. Well, I'm so okay. happy to make a world shaking decision. You know what I mean? Well, I know gangsters go. when I see <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> And gangsters is not a subjective mm. expression. It's an objective condition. Mm. Do we have what it takes? We shall see. But some of us are going to go down fighting. Go down swinging with style and a smile, accenting the best in you and trying to tease out
0: the best in me. Let's do it together. Now, one might say that, sure, Cornell West is a national treasure and rapturing orator, but does he have national defense credentials? We're in a dangerous world these days, friends. What about Russia? Or China? Or those fully intact UFOs that a whistleblower said the government has? Well, to all other candidates, I ask, did they sit on the Zion Council when the machines breached the dome? small enough that it will force them into a bottleneck, allowing us to concentrate the remainder of our defense.
1: We understand that you've requested additional volunteers.
4: That is correct. Precisely what size force are you planning to commit to the primary dock objective? Right now, the entire APU Corps and half the infantry. Half the infantry? If you're up to me, Counselor, I take every man, woman, and
0: child, put a gun in their hand, and march them straight into that gun. Cornel West did. And yes, that is a clip from the Matrix sequels. And yes, the Matrix sequels are terrible. Actually, okay, those are good points. I might have gotten a little carried away. Uh, Cornel West materially is just going to be a really good television guest. Uh, He's got a reason to get booked now. Not that he had any trouble getting on various different television shows and podcasts and stuff before, but it just basically means that he likes speaking on stage and Bernie Sanders isn't running. He was a frequent speaker for him. It is, is, I think, a sign of dissatisfaction from the progressive wing of the Democratic electorate to Joe Biden. You're seeing some roiling questions about Joe Biden's hold on his party vis-a-vis RFK Jr. That's gotten a lot of traction in the press. You might have read about this week, RFK did a, uh, a two-hour Twitter Spaces with Elon Musk, continuing that grand tradition. But ultimately, I mean, like, like, look, th- this doesn't really matter for Joe Biden until it does. RFK doesn't matter to Joe Biden, but they would like for RFK to go away. Cornell West doesn't really matter for Joe Biden, but if Cornel West gets a lot of attention, then they'll want him to go away. We don't really know if that's going to happen, but he's in the race. So get ready to hear more from Cornel West. TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go right now if you would like to support the show. But, of course, you get something for your money at the dollar level. You get a ad-free fee on this program. Just that simple. You get a custom RSS feed. You load that up into your podcatcher of your choice. Boom. You're good to go. Meanwhile, if you are at the $3 level, The $3 level gives you not only an ad-free feed, but also bonus content on Monday morning and on Thursday. Thursday is the, the latest we cover news this week. And this time of year, boy, is it good to have. So head on over there right now. Take politics seriously. But first, your update. A bipartisan Dear Colleague letter from Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Martin Heinrich, Mike Rounds, and Todd Young announced a series of senator-only briefings on artificial intelligence, warning that lawmakers, quote, must deepen our expertise in this pressing topic, end quote. The sessions are centered around three questions. Where is AI today? What is the frontier of AI? And how do we maintain American leadership? And... How do the Department of Defense and Intelligence community use AI today? And what can we know about how our adversaries are using AI? The news of the briefing comes days after President Joe Biden warned Air Force Academy graduates that some experts believe AI could, quote, overtake human thinking and planning. Said the senators, quote, As AI transforms our world, the Senate must keep abreast of the extraordinary potential and risks that AI presents. I have said for months now, AI is going to be a large topic in politics very quickly. If you believed that TikTok or social media was something that seemed to get the, uh, uh, the the fancy of our elected officials, AI is going to be bigger than that. Not only because it is evolving as fast as it is, but and I will say this for this alone, for no other reason other than this, a lot of the industries that AI is going to disrupt the most cleanly will be. Industries where wisdom and encyclopedic knowledge of something is paramount. Experts. And there are no two bigger fields of experts than doctors and lawyers. Lawyers, I think, are probably the more susceptible. Because not only for doctors, you know, AI and especially, I mean, this is AI now. Right, and let me remind you: the ChatGPT only came online in November of last year. We've yet to get to the one-year anniversary of ChatGPT. In fact, we are—we we still have a summer to go before we get to that. So we're just looking at AI now. We're just looking at large language models now. There is a material benefit to being able to ask natural language questions without shame, fear, or money and getting the kind of information without the fear mongering or compilation of WebMD for doctors, for lawyers, I think it's even more of an existential threat because while it's not going to take the, the job immediately of people who are trial lawyers we need to compile cases there was a very funny story of a, uh, <laughs> a a trial lawyer caught using chat GPT because chat GPT had fabricated uh, a couple different uh, legal precedents but if you're talking about just contracts and stuff like that th- things that you would need or trust a legal mind to look over beyond the already disrupted markets of like legal Zoom and stuff like that. I think we're going to see that very, very quickly. And it's going to be normalized into our society very, very quickly. And if that's the case, then I'm just going to let you know, 99% of politicians are lawyers, which means they all got lawyer friends, which means this is going to get very hot, very fast, in my opinion. So here's an odd one for you. Mission Governor Gretchen Whitmer is launching a federal political political action committee. Big Gretch, what the hell's Big Gretch doing now? This is interesting because Gretchen Whitmer is very much inside the and uh, inside the, the the Biden trust tree. She was a key surrogate during biden's campaign in 2020 she was on the short list to be vice president indeed if gretchen whitmer were black i think she might have been the vice president because biden seems to like her a whole hell of a lot more than he liked oh call me a racist and sell t-shirts about it kamala harris So why does the fight like hell pack exist? I don't know. I have no idea. Is this just set it up now because in four years we're going to need it. We'd rather raise money throughout this process. Maybe that would seem to be a minor sin in a world where the Biden campaign is going to want every single dollar they can possibly have for their campaign. Is it going to be a surrogate? So maybe fight like hell can run ads specifically in Michigan and it can boost Biden, but it won't be Biden spending money in Michigan. Reminder, Democrats being concerned about whether or not Republicans had inroads in Michigan was the reason why Hillary didn't go there in 2016. Is it a false flag? So we do get conversation about Gretchen Whitmer and maybe we get some polling about it and that blows RFK out of the water and then she says, well, of course I'm not running. I never said I was gonna run. Or maybe this dovetails with some of what we're going to talk about in our second segment. Is this a sign that there might be a more open primary here? than we thought. If I'm going to pick among those, I would say the first is my most likely theory. and finally, a brief sojourn into sports, sports, sports with a little politics, politics, politics chaser. The PGA has announced that it will be merging with the Live Golf organization, therefore solidifying the Two largest, and it was really one and, and one B organizations in the world of professional golf. If you have not followed this, this is a little controversial because Live Golf was started with Saudi money. Saudis have spent a lot of money on sports. They have spent a lot of money in the eyes of many, sports washing their image. Concept that by providing people entertainment that they like up to and including but not limited to movies apps the Saudi public investment fund has put a lot of money into tech the WWE runs now I believe twice yearly events in Saudi Arabia for an ungodly amount of money and they decided to get into golf two years ago this was very controversial not only did some of the biggest names on the PGA Tour go to live, but also there was controversy and legal action about whether or not those players would be able to play in the golf majors, the biggest events in the world of golf. And not only a few weeks ago, the PGA Championship was won by a live golfer. So If you're into sports, and more specifically, if you're into golf, this is a big story that will be talked about a lot, and the concept of sports washing is well-trod, but we'll have a gigantic mascot here. The PX3 angle is this. Former President Donald Trump has hosted a number of live-golf events at his golf courses. He has defended being the host of the events, and when asked about the Saudi government's role in 9-11 has said that nobody's gotten to the bottom of 9-11. Of note, the last live tournament that was held at Trump's golf course during that event, Ron DeSantis met with 9-11 victims' families. One of those subliminals that the DeSantis team is so in love with. Trump said on his Truth Social platform last year that a merger between Live and the PGA Tour was inevitable and took a celebratory lap around the course on Social Truth Social today. Quote, great news from Liv Golf, a big, beautiful, and glamorous deal for the wonderful world of golf. Congrats to all. And congrats to you. If you've already headed to TakePoliticsSeriously.com, if you haven't, Join all of us, my friend, for only $3 a week, less than a cup of coffee. You get two bonus episodes of this podcast each and every week. I think it's a pretty good deal. Head on over there right now, takepoliticsseriously.com. So let's talk about a made-for-conservative 24-hour news story. Oh, it's got everything. Corruption by the Biden family, an untrustworthy FBI, and stunning parallels to an event that captured the nation's attention and led to Donald Trump's first impeachment almost exactly four years ago in 2019. We begin here. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer said this week that he would move to hold FBI Director Christopher Ray in contempt of Congress after Ray refused to turn over an internal bureau document to House Republicans. Comer told reporters that he would begin contempt hearings against Ray on Thursday, but it's not clear when Comer plans to hold a committee vote on a contempt resolution. This June 2020 document contains uncorroborated corruption allegations against Joe Biden, dating back to his time as vice president. There are two lawmakers on the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, Comer and Democrat Jamie Raskin, who have viewed the document in the SCIF and then received a briefing from FBI officials. Comer had this to say. Due to the severity and complexity of the allegations contained within this record, Congress must investigate further. Comer said that the confidential human source informant who filed the FD 1023 document, here's one of those political terms that just memorize it now because you're going to hear it a bunch, was, quote, trusted and highly credible and had been paid hundreds of thousands of dollars by the FBI dating back to the Obama administration. Comer further added that the FBI said the information in the FD 1023 was currently being used as part of an ongoing investigation, but declined to provide any evidence. Raskin, the Democrat here, said his review of the document confirmed that these allegations were indeed linked to Rudy Giuliani's Ukrainian fishing expedition ahead of the 2020 elections. Giuliani tried to dig up dirt on Biden that could be used by former President Donald Trump in the campaign. You might remember it was that investigation that inspired Donald Trump's conversation with a then far less known Volodymyr Zelensky. With Donald Trump's insinuation that Zelensky very much should look into the Biden. Raskin says that the Justice Department, under the direction of former Attorney General Bill Barr, created a special team to investigate Giuliani's Ukraine documents, but nothing came of it. The FBI did not respond immediately to a request for comment, reiterating its commitment to cooperating with the committee. But. Senators Comer and Chuck Grassley claimed on May 3rd that the FBI had a document related to an alleged Biden bribery scandal based on that whistleblower's tip. The complaint suggests that Biden, as vice president, sought a bribe for $5 million for a foreign policy decision. Comer's request for the FD-1023 was declined by the FBI, citing ongoing investigations. And despite extending his request and deadline, Comer threatened to hold Ray in contempt of Congress if the FBI did not comply. Obviously, that happened this week, and yet Comer remains dissatisfied, insisting on full access to the document. But what he wants that he did not get, we do not know. We do know that Democrats have ridiculed Comer's quest, as he now has publicly admitted to reviewing the form. Among the mockery is Jamie Raskett. Quote: Here are the facts. The FD 1023 form, which we reviewed firsthand today, records what a confidential source told the FBI about conversations he had with individuals in Ukraine. The source, who has been described as highly credible by the FBI, told the FBI he could not provide any opinion on the underlying veracity of the information provided by these Ukrainian individuals. We now know. What I had long suspected, that Chairman Comer's subpoena is about recycling stale and debunked Burisma conspiracy theories long peddled by Rudy Giuliani and a Russian agent sanctioned by former President Trump's own Treasury Department as part of the effort to smear President Biden and help Mr. Trump's re-election campaign. And there's a reason that the Democrats are getting into fighting position because I don't think this is going away. Fresh off his star turn during the debt ceiling negotiations, Kevin McCarthy now forcefully backing Comer's play. He will be held in contempt if he doesn't do
3: what is responsible to do. Remember, in the commitment to America, Republicans said we'd go and make sure we had accountability and transparency. We had a whistleblower come before us and and say that he'd gone to the FBI about hearing of a $5 million bribe from a foreign individual to then-Vice President um, Biden, and then talked about sending money to LLCs and others. We subpoenaed that because remember, Congress has the constitutional right of the oversight of the FBI. This document is not even classified. What is the first thing that uh, Director Ray said? He didn't even acknowledge whether he had it. He said he wouldn't provide it. I had a phone call with him, explained to him, if he does not provide this, we will hold him in contempt. Now, he said. Yes, we do have the document, but he'll only show it to the chairman and ranking member. That is not how the Constitution works. Everybody on the Committee of Oversight, Republican and Democrats, have a right to see this unclassified document. If he doesn't come forth and allow everyone to see it, we will move contempt charges against him on Thursday. Secretary Blinken had the same problem when he would not give the documents about what happened in Afghanistan. He now realizes, yes, he should supply to everybody on the committee. Congress has the constitutional right to oversee and to hold this government accountable. We are loaned the voice of the people and we have a right to see it and look. The FBI now says there's an ongoing investigation. I wonder why there was an investigation before. They also said they need to protect the individual. We understand that. I see documents that way all the time. Redact whatever you need to protect the individual, but show us the document and everybody on oversight.
0: This is one of those stories that if, Things were going great for Joe Biden, I don't think is porous enough to get traction. But if things are not going great for Joe Biden, and right now they're not, then I do think that stuff like this adds up. Now, obviously, if there's some sort of bombshell, uh, a, a check that is produced or something or some tape, Joe Biden saying, uh, uh, hey, 5 million, Jack, come on. You know my price. I'm slick, Joey B, and, and, and I always get paid top dollar, C. And then he lights a match on somebody's face. Like, if that comes up, then obviously this is a much bigger deal. But right now, this does look like a lot of FBI paper trail that, you know, we'll see. We, we don't know. It, it is he said, she said much in the same way that the Donald Trump Ukraine uh, Ukraine impeachment stuff was a lot of, well, what I meant was, but what this said was, and then these blah, 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 blah. Like, Trump was not in a position where he could withstand that, and so it led to an impeachment. Biden has a much greater ring of protection, uh, specifically because he's got the Senate, And he's got the protection of the press. But still, things ain't going well. Or the nation is just looking for something to sink their teeth into. Well, maybe this old FD1023, something that'll tide him over. And that's bad news for Biden. Politics, politics, politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you'd like to email the show, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. My Twitter is Justin R. Young. The show's Twitter is PX3Tweets. On Twitch, you can see me live Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, PX3Live.com. My newsletter is back. The free political newsletter is back. And it's another place where I'm trying to provide a little value. Not only columns as I write them, this week's is on uh, the silver surfer candidates. The people for which will not win the presidency, but are instead the heralds of Galactus. Very Marvel comics heavy metaphor here for you guys. I explain it in there, but effectively it's about Vivek Ramashwamy and how he is playing the game to be Trump's pit bull without sacrificing his own dignity because eventually his career will be better for being aggressive against Trump's enemies. Now that is there at px3newsletter.com. And if you enjoy my writing and you want to support it, this is separate from the podcast. You can subscribe on Substack. And what I'm going to try and do is, whenever there's little events, like last time it was Ron DeSantis's Twitter Spaces, got a lot of announcements coming out, a lot of, uh, of commercials and stuff like that. If I got a little little tidbit, I'm going to throw that out to to subscribers only. So. If you are redlining about you need jury at the moment that it happens, political content, both in the written word and the audio word, that's really what our our paywalls are going to be about. All the main stuff that's always going to be in front because I care about you, whether or not you got the Skrilla. You want to share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy. It is PX3 Podcast. Dot com. If you'd like to support me with a one-time donation, it is paypal.me slash payjury. My Venmo is justin-young-20. My cash app is px3cash, and you can always send me something in the mail. P.O. Box fifteen thirty one eighty four Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, you can always get the bonus content at takepoliticsseriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news we miss on our free podcasting schedule and our $10 tier. Get your name right at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic $10 tier. Jason Andres, Matt, John Gross, C. Garcia, Matthew T. Elbaso, John Craig Potts on safety, levels Bugs Life, Knee Amanda Yield, Pinball Shop, TP4, Bongo, Catherine, Todd, and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B.A. Select Star, Dr. G, Niels Charles, Darren, 100-mile runner, Idris Arslanian, Blue and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Molly's dashing debut, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul is also. Brad, Richard, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike who loves Frank, got abducted, Dodge, and Montana, the Gen, A-L-D-L-D-L-D. Really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua. If you want your name right on the show. Only one place. Take PoliticsSerious.com. And that'll do it today. We're going to take a look at the recently unveiled debate rules and how they are more stringent than the Democrats were at this time four years ago. I mean, at this time four years ago, the Democrats had already done a couple of debates. They started in March. But we'll go into it. The RNC's rules for debates, it's all there for you. Till next time, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying. Some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. This one discusses. Oh.